Hey there, it's Curious City reporter Monica Eng. In a recent episode, I answered a question about the history of a Chicago Christmas tradition, visiting the State Street Marshall Fields, which is now a Macy's. We talked with people about their memories of viewing the windows and having lunch at the Walnut Room. Lots of you wrote to us with your own happy memories of fields at Christmas and how much those memories meant to you. But we also heard from other listeners who told us they had a very different memory of what it was like to go to Marshall Fields, not just at Christmas, but year-round. We talked to one of them to find out more. The minute you walked into Marshall Fields, you knew you were not welcome. There was a coldness. That's coming up. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Joyce Miller Bean is a born and bred Chicagoan who grew up on the southwest side in Beverly Morgan Park. She was an English professor at DePaul University and today is a professional storyteller who's in the process of writing a collection of ghost stories called Midnight Coffee. Joyce is also African-American and she was one of a few black listeners who wrote to us. She emailed us to say she didn't doubt that many Chicagoans had genuinely sweet memories of visiting Marshall Fields and the Walnut Room as a kid. But for her, as a person of color growing up in Chicago in the 50s and 60s, she had a, quote, vastly different experience. As we did some additional reporting, we learned that Joyce isn't alone. Other African-Americans also felt unwelcome at Marshall Fields, and we'd missed an important piece of the field's history, a history of racism and discrimination. So our Curiosity team talked through what we'd learned, and we thought it was important to acknowledge this part of the story we'd left out. We asked Joyce if she'd share her experience with us, and she agreed. I started out by asking her why she decided to write to us. When I heard it and then read the accompanying uh, text with it, I felt that the people who said it were quite sincere, but they were also white and had a totally different experience. So on the one hand, I was kind of a little bit upset. (laughs) Oh my God, fields of all places. Um, But I also knew that for them, it very much was. But then my mind flashed back to all the ugly experiences of attitude and actions that I've had. So I said, well, I'd like to, to let the folks at Curious City know Uh, If I may add one more thing that that troubled me a bit is the fact that while this was not in the slightest done purposely, part of the problem we face with endemic forms of, shall we say, less racial consideration is that sometimes a lot of people don't think, uh, you know, you think about one group's view of something and say, oh yeah, it was always such fun. Never thinking, yeah, but was it fun for the, the person of color or the LGBTQ person or the person with a disability? And I mean, I'm not just saying this was you folks, anybody, myself included, we can all make these mistakes. So that's why. That is such a great point. And and one can be like, well, isn't that everybody's experience? And 
boy, I think the, the more you learn about the world, the more you realize there are a zillion different experiences. Um, and so, so you mentioned you had a specific experience at the Walnut Room. Would you be able to tell me a bit about that? Sure. Uh, that would have been around 1956, 57, around that era. Um, it all ties into the whole attitude. The minute you walked into Marshall Field, you knew you were not welcome. There was a coldness. Clerks ignored you. And I was a child at the beginning of it, but um, they were very rude deliberately. And I remember when once my mom took me to the Walnut Room because, you know, my mom and dad wanted their kids to have the nice experiences as Chicagoans too. And I remember standing in line with mom and there was a, it's been years, but a maitre d' or someone who sat you and he kept totally, literally stepping around mama and me and going to these other people who were all white. And of course my mother said, excuse me, we're next to mine. And he kept coldly saying, I'll get to you. So after a few minutes, my mother said, I see. And uh, we left and I didn't go back to the Walnut Room for years until I was actually uh, finished with college and grad school and was an actual working adult. And one of my business contacts in Chicago where I was working asked to meet me for lunch at the, this was been around 1976. And I was actually a little hesitant. I didn't tell her, but of course it was 1976 and I was an adult and there was a, there was a difference, but that's the thing I, I remember most unpleasantly about the Walnut Room. You were mentioning that there was sort of the general feeling at Fields too, not just in the Walnut Room. Can you elaborate on that oh. a bit? Yes, this was the thing. Throughout the store, when I was younger in particular, and uh, with many of my friends and I talked about it when they were older, uh, you felt the sense of you would just, even your dollars, they would take them grudgingly. For example, I can remember one year, it was near Christmas that my mother had taken me down to the toy section, which was famous in fields. And they had a very clever promotion. They had stuffed animals, Monica, that were the same size as the baby animals they represented. So the baby stuffed elephant was the size of a real baby elephant. And my personal favorite, I remember, the baby stuffed giraffe. Well, I, like all young children, I was no more than five or something, was waiting eagerly to see this. And the clerks at the store were taking other children putting them up on top of the floor models and having them pet them. And I waited for one of them to come get me and they ignored us. And again, I was very hurt. I remember that. And I looked at my mom and then she said, come on, Joy, we'll go. But I could share one more story. A friend, we were talking about this and she remembered in 1971, this happened. Uh, and these are all, these happened. We all are African-American that I'm speaking of here. So she, her mother collected ornaments. And Fields, of course, was famous for having a unique and, and wonderful things like ornaments. But every year her mother would get a new one. But she said her mom and dad had talked about it. And for years, she didn't go to Fields to get one because of the atmosphere I'm talking about. But in, it was 1971. The civil rights movement had done a lot of good. And she thought, all right. So she took our family friend who was about five at the time and they went to buy the ornaments. So she was at the counter where you'd buy them. And the young man behind the counter was still like when I was a kid, ignoring her. Only this time the mother said, I see, and went to get a manager. Now, this is interesting. The manager, the woman who was the manager was very nice, Monica. She was horrified that this young man had done this and was apologizing to my friend's mother and was making it right. But while the two adult women were talking, my friend was right behind her mom, a few feet behind, little five-year-old girl. This clerk, the man, young man, 
came angrily from behind the counter, obviously upset that his manager was not supporting him on this, and ground his foot onto the foot of this little five-year-old, stepped on it, smashed her toes, and angrily looked at her and then walked off. She said to this day, she was too frightened by his look to say anything to her mom at that moment. And she said, I was too scared to even cry. And if anybody wonders, well, then why did you shop there? You have to think of it from two viewpoints. Number one, like my dad and mom said, we're entitled, we're taxpaying Chicagoans. Why can't we shop where we want? And number two, uh, Marshall Fields did have a great variety of things you could really not get anywhere else. But uh, you had the way that if you felt like, you know, being looked down upon and ignored and racially treated in a poor sense. So those are my more of my memories of the Marshall Fields of my growing up years. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really Really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdat wherever you get your podcasts. I spoke to another colleague. She's younger, and she said when I had a graduation, you know, I had a, I had a fine lunch at Marshall Fields, but my parents and grandparents—that was another story. And so I was thinking, well, this must have been fairly well known among a certain group of people. Do you feel like among the people you knew, it was sort of like, yep, yeah, Marshall Fields? Oh yeah. It was just common knowledge. I mean, it was almost like, oh yeah, Fields, what, you know. In fact, Monica, it was so well-known that if somebody treated you nicely, because human beings are human beings, even in its worst era of racial wrongness, the wrongdoing, there were good, nice people there. And so when you would get a nice white clerk and then sometimes folks would say, oh yeah, I was trying to buy some Frango mints and a lady was actually polite and friendly. And we're like, really, at Fields? Well, that's a nice change. So it was kind of well known, as your friend um, said there, it changed, of course. And now there are, of course, uh, other African-Americans working there. Eventually, they had to just hire people on merit of all complexions, light, dark, in between. So it was pretty well known that you just couldn't go in and expect to get a normal, pleasant shopping experience. Was it like this at all department stores downtown? I mean, were there oh, any differences? Oh, no, it wasn't that. I didn't experience the same at several others. For example, my uh, I remember going to Carson Peary Scott, and which was also a nice upscale uh, you know, department store. It wasn't the quite at the level of, of Fields, I suppose, but if people gave Fields an A-plus for its quality products, I'd give uh, Carson's an A. But um, it, was, it was a different experience, Monica. I don't recall ever feeling unwelcomed. Um, I know for a fact that eating there was different. Um, they had two levels of eatery. They had a restaurant, and then they had a kind of a diner type of place that was for shoppers called the tartan tray which is where my mom and I would go for lunch and if we were shopping and I would remember little Joyce was very happy because the trays all had plaid on them and I thought that was exciting and um the people were lovely my personal favorite meal kids are so weird here I had all these things mom said get whatever you want and I had a grilled cheese sandwich like I could have had at home but they would be so sweet they say oh you want a pickle with that I remember the Carson's was very nice. And the shopping, the clerks 
were very kind when you were trying something on, you were treated like everyone else. Now, I don't want to romanticize it. Maybe others had problems, but frankly, I enjoyed going to Carson's. Uh, Rothschild's was a clothing store when I was a youngster. I think they've long been out of business, but I remember their mama and dad would sometimes go there to buy cl uh, clothing for my siblings and myself. And the lady that was there in the women's department, it was almost like she was a private shopper. We would go back and she would say, oh, Mrs. Miller to my mother and oh, Joyce, and just as nice as you please. We bolts and Sears, I don't recall having anybody be ugly like that. And what if you told your kids? My late husband was also a Chicagoan, grew up, he was seven years older than me. And that makes a difference because Al and I used to talk about the fact that that vast difference, even things were even worse for him. So when the kids were growing up, we told them about these experiences. I have been back and um, I first started going back in my 20s when I was working and that from the time that uh, the, the person asked us to have lunch at the Walnut Room. Uh, and I found it was like, in this case, I think it was more personality. Some were nice, some were rude. But then I was also a grown up and I would, if I had someone rude, I would call the manager and stop him or her. It was, a, it was a mixed feeling, but I just didn't have the same joy going in there. Um, my kids, uh, of course, they're millennials. So when they would go, it was a, it was a different experience. Uh, my daughter met when she was, uh, oh gosh, that was about three or four years ago. She went to the Walnut Room with, again, a working colleague situation and uh, had a fine meal. And she remembered the things that I had discussed, but we all knew that you know, there's, this is also, that was like 19 or 2000 something. Uh, my son is not a big shopper. He shops when he has to. So I don't, I don't know if Kyle's ever even been to fields inside. Now, when we were when they were young and myself, we loved the windows. Now the, the fields windows were wonderful, but again, you could look at the windows in complete comfort from the quote safety of the sidewalk with no one judging you or anything and just enjoy them. So my kids, um, they know the history of Chicago's racism as well as the good things about our city. And, uh, but they've, they're like anyone else, but no, my, my recent experiences, the few times I've gone, were, were fine. And as I said, occasionally you'd run into a nasty clerk who was just a nasty clerk, but I didn't feel it was necessarily racially motivated. Joyce Miller-Bean, I want to thank you so much for reaching out and sharing your story with us. Uh, this is so enlightening, and I'm so glad we got a chance to talk to you. I will thank you for following up and asking me, Monica. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Joyce Miller-Bean for reaching out to us with her story. We love hearing from listeners, even if you're writing to us to tell us we got something wrong. You can find us on social media or email us at curiouscity at wbez.org. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. Mackenzie Crossan is our digital producer and Stephen Jackson is our audio producer. The editor here at Curious City is Alexandra Solomon. Happy holidays to everyone. I'm Monica Eng. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, 
including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.